What's up, everyone? Welcome to Banter Fodder. I am your host for today, Michael Hoover, uh, joined by James Hamrick. What's up, man? Nothing much. Excited to be talking about probably one of my favorite years in film today. Yeah, dude, this is going to be a blast. Obviously, normally Drew does this, the 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 host, but uh, Drew is actually out today. He is busy doing school stuff. Uh, he's doing a bunch of filming these days, so he's super crazy busy, but he was like, y'all go ahead and record without me. So we are, we're going to truck on truck on that's not the word we're gonna go continue on without without drew today um but we're gonna do our best and uh tonight we're actually gonna talk about the year in film 2019 just a few years ago uh we had an absolutely banger of a year for film and uh we thought instead of doing you know our typical movie review episodes which obviously we do we're going to do mostly on this podcast we also want to sprinkle in some other topics of conversation and uh one of those things we're going to start doing is something like this just talk about a specific great year of film and we thought 2019 was a great one to start with because it's fresh it's recent but it's also like it is seriously one of the greats so um we're going to talk about that but before we do I would like to just uh, I want to see I want to talk about each of our just film adventures for the week. Any movies we watch. James, we'll start with you. What movies did you watch this week or did you watch any at all or TV? Yeah, so uh, this was a pretty bare week for me. In fact, the only thing I watched was the uh, Ahsoka finale exactly mm. a week ago. Uh, well, actually, no. I oh, watched yeah. it the day after it came out, so technically still within a week. Gotcha. Um, so I'm actually just going to go ahead and go on the like the week prior to that because this has been Do uh, a fairly busy week. Yeah, it's it's. I feel sad in my heart when I go a full week without watching anything. So <laughs> it's unfortunate. But the week before, um, I caught whatever you had, even though we're states away. I was just feeling awful over a weekend. Uh, and so I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. But my uh, my comfort, my cinematic comfort um, doesn't make any sense. I, I went through saw one through six from my sick bed. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was wild. Uh, because I had a, uh, a friend, um, who's just been living my dream. Who's been living basically, it's like, he's just been living at the theater this year. Um, he got to see a saw one and two double feature in the theater and it, and saw 10 has got like an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like almost double the runner up for critic score. Uh, so wow. that movie kind of came out of nowhere and is apparently really good. So between him seeing the first two in the theater and then the good reviews for that, it just got me into the mood. Um, and I, I loved Saw 1 and 2 already. Uh, and I made fun of all the sequels after that. But so I start. I watched the first one. I was reminded of why I really, really liked the first one a lot. Um, then I watched the second one. I was like, you know what? The second one is pretty good. I remembered right. 
And then I watched the third, and then I watched the fourth, and then I watched the fifth, and then the sixth. It was just back to back to back, just constant, like, waking up, trying to eat if I could, going back to my sick bed and watching Saw. Uh, That sounds awful. (laughs) It was, it's, I just, series that can weirdly get you sucked into the lore. Uh, And I was like, this is getting progressively worse, but there's something about, like, Every single movie wants to be the linchpin that holds all the previous films together. And it's kind of hilarious to watch everything stack on top of each other. We're like, actually, this was happening the whole time. Actually, this was happening. The whole time. Actually, this. And it's like by the end of it, you were like what you thought was a pretty straightforward event had like eight subplots, two betrayals. And like, it's just it's hilarious. But it's like it truly is kind of fun to watch how like everything compound. And so I, I actually had a, a really good time with that series and, and I'm trying to maybe make some time to go see 10 in the theaters. Um, outside of that, the only other thing I did, which was by far the highlight of it though, was whenever I was feeling better uh, and was able to, to leave the house, I went and I saw the exorcist for it's 50th, anniversary which was phenomenal the film is a masterpiece and it, so they, they did a re-release in the theater yeah and so that was gotcha. that was quite an experience i forgot how intense it is but man it's incredible Ugh. yeah i would i don't want to watch any of those <laughs> <laughs> i um i don't know if we've talked about it very much on the podcast but you and you and drew definitely know i'm not a horror horror guy um and uh but pretty soon here we're actually gonna do a horror movie that i haven't seen we'll talk about that later but um i'm i'm i genuinely am excited about that one but i don't want to see any of the movies you just talked about (laughs) not a single one Um, let me go to saw one's defense i think you would like saw one this didn't the series didn't earn its reputation until like two or three and then everything was projected backwards onto one. One mm-hmm. is, it's like a, it's more of an investigation crime thriller than it is like gore fest. If you, if you, I may be, be y'all may be able to convince me to watch the first one sometime. Y'all it's, may it's, be able to do that. Yeah, it's really good. And it's not one where you're going to have to like cover your eyes or anything. Like there's like the one moment that people remember. But even it at this point is tame and not even just tame for the horror thing, but just tame for like like crime thriller stuff. So, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It, and I think for me, I probably could handle it. It's not the it's not that I can't handle gore. I just don't find it like I don't find it worth it to me. Like it doesn't, I don't enjoy those kinds of movies. So, but like you said, if there is, if there is a lot more going on and that stuff is not like the, like, I just feel like with, with movies like that, sometimes it's all about that stuff. <laughs> it is. And I just you're a don't better care about that. than me for that. <laughs> but uh, I will say you, I, I think you would probably still end up enjoying the first one though. Good. Okay. Well, maybe sometime. Maybe sometime. Well, I've had a a uh, actually like weirdly sneaky busy week of watching things. Um, I did watch Ahsoka last week also, but um, but I also watched and we're, we're going to talk about this movie plenty tonight. I'm sure. But for the first time since 
uh, actually, no, for the first time ever, I missed this, the movie, the year it came out, which was 2019. And um, for the first time ever, I finally watched the winner of Best Picture, uh, Parasite from 2019. And oh my gosh, <laughs> um, absolutely incredible movie. We'll talk about that more later, but wow, haven't stopped thinking about it. Um, I watched You've Got Mail. Uh, that was a rewatch. I watched it with with my wife. Um, really, that movie is just great. I I love it. I really do genuinely love it. Have you seen that one? I have not. I feel like I've I've missed out. I think on the basically all of like the classic nineties and two thousands rom coms and eighties like gotcha. every everything from like one that we do plan on covering when Harry met Sally at some point in the future. It's we're like, going to do it just that. And on like all of the big rom-coms are just, you've like got male sleepless in Seattle. And these are like personal favorites of like siblings. And so all it's just Meg Ryan movies, apparently. It, yeah. <laughs> it's somehow I just like it navigated my life without the intention of avoiding them. Just have missed like all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Dude, honestly, this one is it's got all the tropes in it that like you see other movies make fun of. Uh, but it it's like the one that like that all of them come from. It's like it's like one of the one of the romantic comedies. It's great. I really love it. It's really heartfelt. Tom Hanks is the best in anything he does. Um okay, then uh I had a fun night. I watched uh Dumb Money in the theaters. Um, with Paul Dano, which that guy is just the best, but that movie was really fun. I, I don't think it was like, I think it's one of a top 10 of this year for me so far, but it's, it's not like one of the best movies that I've seen this year, but it was really fun. I liked the performances a lot and I like, I like movies like that too. It kind of reminded me of, uh, oh, what was it called? The, the, the big short, the big short. Big short? Yeah, yeah, which I really thought that was great. This yeah, movie wasn't quite didn't have that same magic um, as the big short, but it felt Paul Dano is just so great that I could just watch him do anything, to be honest. But um, I liked it. It was really good. And then that same night um, I got home, my wife and son were sleeping. So I was like, well, I'll just watch another one. So I watched um, No Hard Feelings. Um, also from this year um and i was just feeling comedies so with jennifer lawrence um that movie was okay it was fine uh she was great i like watching her do comedy um but other than it it was not great (laughs) um and then my last two are brother bear and brother bear two i watched with my son today (laughs) the classic double feature yeah the classic double feature of a parent i guess but i never saw brother bear before that was one of the few disney movies i haven't seen and i liked it Uh, phil collins music was weirdly out of place and it ruined the movie oddly enough is that the Um, one because i'm on my way Yep, it is. It is. Which hey. that song is good. Okay, it's song, that song is good. But like when you listen in the movie, it doesn't work as well. It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it goes with the setting that this movie is in, which is like, which is like um, Native American, like up north or even in Canada. Um, and it's it's with the it's with the natives up there, and it just doesn't fit the, <laughs> the mood at, in the woods. Nothing screams indigenous people like Phil Collins. 
Yeah, I don't. But it worked so well with Tarzan. I don't know. This just didn't work as well. Um, and so, yeah, anyway. And then the second one was so much worse. <laughs> um, just like most Disney sequels that are like straight to DVD or whatever. This one was like it. It was different voice actors for everyone. Uh, instead of Joaquin Phoenix being the lead in the in the like in the first one, in the second one it was Patrick Dempsey, which is like what <laughs> um, for the same character. And uh, and then they the the songs were done by someone I don't even know, but they're like they're Just even someone. worse. They're so bad. They're is bad. So anyway, that was fun. Um, both. I mean, the first one was decent. Second one, not, not very good. Um, but yeah, that was my that was my week with the movies. It was really fun. Um, I've been enjoying catching up on some on some stuff that on some you know filling in some blind spots. But I got so many more to go. But uh, guys, before we get into it tonight, uh, let me let me quickly plug our socials. We have a Facebook group banter fodder, a film and TV discussion group. Make sure you go there. And join the group because it's really fun. James is posting, uh, you know, his rankings for every year like a fiend. Uh, you're in fun. the 80s now, right? Yeah, just uh, what did I just do? What year? 80... Did the, 84, I think we just covered because I had the Terminator ranked as number one. So it's whenever that came out. Okay, so you, so Return of the Jedi is going to be number one next next the next year, right? 83 83 is uh next up um yep so return of the jedi is going to be number one right right it's it's <laughs> it's gonna be on the list for sure <laughs> shut up okay okay so anyway that that uh that group is fun make sure y'all join it uh we're on twitter as well at banter underscore fodder i'm not calling it x i'm just not um and then we also are on youtube just search banter fodder you will find it um, without further ado, how about we get into this thing? Um, so, so tonight we're talking about the year in film 2019. And I remember this year, honestly, it, it seems so, it's so crazy to think about now because I go to the movies way more now than I did back then. But I remember that year being so stacked and I saw so many good movies that year, but I still, still have a bunch of blind spots from that year. So like as much as I love this year, I still have so many that are supposed to be really good that I still haven't seen. Um, and that's just how stacked this year was. And um, but just before we like start to really go into it, I just wanted to, to say something about the box office that year, just to set the set them the scene here. 2019 was the year before COVID the box office was flourishing that year. Like I have some, I have a couple of stats here and they're crazy. Nine movies crossed the billion dollar mark <laughs> in 2019. This is the crazy one. Ready? Eight of those, eight of those are Disney owned movies. <laughs> I believe it. Which, which this is to this is 2023 right now. They had a much different year this year. <laughs> um, they have not had such a good year other than uh, what was it? I feel like they just had a pretty successful one, but uh, I'm blanking off the top of my head. They did have guardians three, which was successful. 
um, Elemental was more successful than anyone thought it was going to be. It actually like had some serious legs. Um, but yeah, they haven't had a like <laughs> they have, you know, the two biggest films of the year, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oh, and and Super Mario Brothers. And none of those are Disney. And so it's it's pretty crazy. And but 2019, Disney had eight billion dollar movies. <laughs> Avengers Endgame, Toy Story 4, which Avengers Endgame w- was like I want to say two, two over two over two billion dollars, which is nuts. Uh, Toy Story Four, Spider Man Far From Home, Aladdin, r- the live action remake, Lion King, bleh, the live action remake, uh, Frozen Two, Captain Marvel, and the Joker. That's not Disney. That's just the other one. That's the f- and that is the first rated R film to ever make a billion dollars. Um, yeah. Pretty crazy. Uh, so, uh, James, first of all, before we get into a lot of the other stuff, any, any thoughts on on that crazy year, just box office wise? We just saw it so healthy, um, and then the year after that was so sad. But what do you think about that? Well, so there, there's positives and negatives to me. On one hand, I I just love seeing stats that tell me a lot of people were going to the movies. Yes, it's just a good thing. Yes. I will say, like, the silver lining on the top three now is that we've got... So none of those are the same. Is is Barbie and Oppenheimer, are those both WB? No, because because uh, because of the stuff WB pulled during the, the pandemic. Oh, that's right. Nolan left. Nolan took his movie and to the highest bidder, which was Universal. <laughs> so, okay, so it's Universal. So, yeah, Universal. Uh, what was Mario? Also universal. Okay. Am I well, right about that? I think that's also universal. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty uh, sure. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And, and then Barbie is WB. Yeah. So it's, just, it is cool to have, and I'm sure, you know, Disney, I don't know what their highest grossing was, but I'm sure they had something that at least made decent money this year. They did. They had a couple. So I, I feel like for as much money as was made in 2019, I kind of like seeing more diversity this year Agreed. seeing universal and wb and disney all like everybody having something successful up there um so that's really cool uh, now i will say too i will say too that i just read the billion dollar movies there were other successful movies that year too there were plenty of other successful movies that weren't disney but the <laughs> disney just had something that year where it was like People were in on Marvel. People were in on their live action remakes. And and then, of course, Frozen <laughs> and Toy Story. I mean, those are basically just gimmies. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was just like the perfect storm that year. And then I don't think I re- Oh, yeah, yeah. And I didn't read this out loud earlier. Star Wars, The Rise I was about of Skywalker. To say, where is also. that one? Yeah, I, I missed that. hide it. No, I, I didn't mean to hide it, even if I want to. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I agree. I like to see diversity. But it was the good thing, though. It was a healthy year just across the board. We just didn't have – it was Disney that owned the billion dollar ones. Yeah, but, that's true. But Other yeah, people man, were making money for sure. Definitely, big time. That was just uh, – there are so many great movies that you're going to list. Why don't we get to talking about it? So James and I were kind of talking about – 
um, how we could do this and not just ramble on with everything. Cause we could, we could just talk about this year and the Oscars and like our favorite movies. And, but if we have some sort of a kind of a guideline to follow that might help us. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we have a few questions we're going to, we're going to ask, and then we're going to like kind of fill in the blanks. Um, so, uh, first of all, just kind of before we get into that, what was your overall thought on this year as a whole without giving too many specifics away? Like, do you remember going to a lot of movies this year in uh, 2019? And like, did you have any specific experiences or anything like that that you want to share? Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, one of my friends who's, who's unfortunately since moved away, I'm trying to find uh, I, I have a friend group here, but nobody, I don't have the cinephile friend in the um, friend group. I'm with you, man. Uh, Completely with you. Everyone's so, so my, casual. Yeah, I know, <laughs> man. The, um, but the guy I used to see movies with all the time, he was still here and we, we were out at the theater all the time. Um, and it, we, there were some absolutely memorable theater mm-hmm. moments. Um, me and him and another friend who had joined for a lot of it as well. We all went and saw Jojo together and all just walked out in tears, just like three grown men walking outside sniffling. That was, that was a pretty incredible moment. There was a huge friend group for Endgame, which is just such an event. Um, oh, I'm yes. not usually like a cheer in my seat guy, but when Cap got Mjolnir, I was like, all right, I, I, this is awesome. This is, this is, I cool. mean, how can you not? That was, I mean. that was probably the greatest bit of fan service across the MCU in my book. I just, that was awesome. And it, to be in a, just a crowded room when that happened, was pretty spectacular. And, and, and Thor right after I knew it <laughs> yeah. because they set that up all the way back in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Oh, so good. So that that was super fun. Um I uh I saw so me and the same friend, we went and we saw all like the early reviews for Parasite, and you know, it was just like a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes, everybody saying it's the <laughs> film of the year. We're like, what the heck is this? So I went and saw it. And is this really cool theater in Dallas called the Angelica Theater? And there, uh, it's, it's since closed, unfortunately. I think is in the it closed in the pandemic. But there was this Ugh. like ramen shop that was right by it that we didn't know about. We just walked out of it and we were like tr- catching our breath, like, oh my gosh, what? We were just knocked back by that film. And we we're just walking down the sidewalk trying to find where to eat. And I was hungry for like Asian food because of the movie. Right. And we saw like, here's a ramen shop right here. So we just ate ramen while we talked about Parasite. It was perfect. That's uh, perfect. Uh. So yeah, there was, there was just a lot of like, we had like a group viewing of Joker, which was super fun. Uh, I got to go see El Camino in the theater as a massive Breaking Bad fan. That was huge for me. So nice. yeah, just like my memory of 2019 as a whole is just like, this is probably the most involved i've ever been in film for a year as far as like going out and like loving loving like 90 percent of what i'm seeing having a great time being invested in the oscars it's my favorite oscar ceremony since return of the king one it's just like the whole like 2019 is just going to be on such a high pedestal for me yeah i'm i'm with you man like for me, before 2019, I've I've liked movies my entire life. Okay, so it's not like I've 
it's not like I've, I've I this was the first year that I was like, oh, I like movies. Uh, but it was the first year that I became interested in movies that were up for awards. Like I felt like before that I was much more I was up on all of the big, you know, tentpole things, Star Wars, MCU, some of the DCEU, <laughs> not all of it. Uh, we've talked about all that, uh, you know, uh you know, a, a lot of those and then and then not just not just the big ten pole stuff, but that was a lot of what I watched. And I and definitely there was a lot of Oscar years, especially like in a row where I did not I had I mean there were years I hadn't even heard of the movies that were in the Oscars. And um now I'm in a place where I want to go back and rewatch and and watch all those, but I wasn't in that place back then. And this was the first year I remember like going to all of these movies and and like just absolutely loving them and then seeing all these movies I love up for things in the Oscars. So it was the first year I was invested in the Oscars and like who was winning it and all that. And I was that was cool for me because I was like, am I growing <laughs> um, or is this year just so freaking good? And I think it was both. But um yeah, that was that was the first year that really got me invested in Oscars and stuff like that. And and more, I guess, just non blockbuster movies in general. That was like a seed was planted that year and it's uh, really starting to blossom now. But um, uh, I just I mean, man, if you just ask me, if you ask me what my favorite movies are from the past 10 years, 2013 through now, I mean, I like if it's a just top 10. I would have to say at least three or four of them are going to be from this year, 2019. I mean, that's how good this year was. And it might even be more. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to sit down and do that list. But, I mean, it's crazy. So what we're going to talk about is we were, we're going to do movies we want to see but miss. Because, like I've said, there's blind spots. And I didn't catch everything that year. Most underrated film. Pleasant surprise least favorite film and favorite films of the year. So we're going to make our way through all of these. James, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So movies we want to see, but missed. I would like to hear from you first. What did you want to see, but you just didn't get out and see it. Um, I, I feel like this was actually a year where I, I got to see really like the, the big ones. You know, the ones that got big releases. And so I don't know of any of them that like the like the the bigger stuff that I, I wasn't able to make make it out to again, mainly just because like there was I was just able to make it out to the theater a lot that year is is fairly like just kind of an open year for me, which is pretty awesome. Um but and so like the stuff that I missed is like some of the smaller stuff that I, I really thought would have been cool to be able to make it out to a like a cool local theater and see a movie like this, but but just was not able to. Um, yeah. So uh, there's there's a, a movie that I, I now own um, and I've owned for far too long to have gone without not watching it. But I, 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 I have bought, a few of those, too. <laughs> yeah. My shelf is full of movies like that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's an A24 film, and this is probably the number one uh, ones that I missed that I, I really wish that I got to see, is uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay, um, yeah, I've heard of that. There's The A24 did like one of the really cool big kind of like box releases for it, um, and I got it, and I've been dead set on watching it, and I just haven't. Uh, 
but I don't really know anything about it except I watched the trailer and the trailer is its like own work of art to me. And I'm like, mm. golly, it's just judging by the trailer, this is going to be fantastic. So um, that's when, in fact, I think all three of these, I may, I need to go back and look all three of these may be a 24 because the other, the other one was waves. And, and this is one I, I know nothing about. I just, there are people whose opinion I trust who say, Oh, this, these were really good. I'm like, okay, I should see that. So I want to see waves and then portrait of a lady on fire. Um, I wanted to see, I wanted uh, to see that too. It's like in the letterbox. Like, I don't know how high it's ranked, but it's super high now on the letterbox top two fifty and and everything. So I didn't realize that was that year too. Good Lord. Yeah. So much. So like that's, that's part of what makes 2019 so special is every, every category was firing your small little indies, your mid budget dramas, um, your huge tent poles, everything, every blockbuster animated, animated movies, Pixar, DreamWorks. (laughs) Yeah. They were all firing on all cylinders. Every category of film, every budget side, everything is just having something. Yeah. Um, So yeah, those, those are ones that I, I had hoped to see that I haven't, that, that I wasn't able to see then. And I still have not gotten around to watching just yet. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually, I, I wanted to see portrait of a lady on fire. And I did not realize that was this, that was 2019. That's crazy. Um, yeah. For me, uh, they're, mine are definitely bigger. Like can like, these are, these are some that I was like really mad that um, actually one of them did not, I don't think it got a theatrical release, but, but the other two did. And I was really mad that I missed them, but one of them is the farewell. I actually own this one. It's just sitting there waiting for me to watch it. Um, just like parasite. I owned that one for like, uh, I mean, almost a year before I watched it. Um, because I always look on, on iTunes to see like, okay, are there any four ninety nine movies here? And you know, I, I, if there is, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch that sometime. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I found both of those there, and the farewell is one that I just heard so many good things about, and I, that's a that's a Chinese American film, right? Yes, yeah. is that is that what it is? Chinese American. Mm-hmm. So that one that one uh, has I've just heard so many great things about, and I think it's right up my alley. It is. Um, yeah, I, again, there you go. <laughs> um, Once upon a time in Hollywood, massive blind spot here. Um, I like Quentin Tarantino. I'm not a super fan, but I've seen a lot of his movies. I really like him. Um, and again, this one just kind of seems right up my alley too. And it's just, I just didn't go out to see this one. Um, and so I'm excited to see it. I, I, I don't know when I will, but I, I need to. Um, this is up there. That, that's up there on my list of blind spots to see this year from this year. Um, like it's, it's a priority one. Um, and then, yeah, the Irishman. I never saw that one either. Um, and that was that I think that was just released on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. It I had a really weird limited run that like, it's okay. like they just tried. so it got just so it got uh, uh, quali- qualifications for Oscar. I stuff, think so. Basically. And Netflix is worse at marketing than anything else in the world. And, oh, they're awful. And like, awful it's like it. they didn't want it to make money. So nobody like barely anybody even knew that it was getting a theatrical release. Right. Well, they did. They did. If if I'm not mistaken, they have not done theatrical. I mean, it's like been a rule for them. Ryan Johnson is the first one that was able to get his uh, 
a little bit more of a wide release in it was only for like two weeks that it was that they did it they did uh glass onion which doesn't uh, for make two sense weeks because that would have been like no it, i know it's yeah. stupid like they're Maybe they're learning because I think they have another one coming up that's going to be from someone, someone big. I cannot remember who it is, but I think they have, uh, they might be learning, but I hope so. But by this back, back in 2019, they weren't doing that yet. So they probably just had it at a few places where it could get the qualifications it needs for the Oscars. But that's, that's literally it Um, because Scorsese would have been pissed (laughs) if uh, that didn't happen. Um so yeah, those are the three big ones, and there are others I haven't seen that from. Uh, we could just keep going on a list, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so yeah, great. All right, most underrated film from 2019. Let's hear it. Okay, so I went back and forth between a couple. Um, I I ended up not going with this. I almost chose Glass because I did not like Glass when I first saw it. And I rewatched it and I thought this movie is a lot smarter than I gave it credit for. And I think that there's a lot of cool stuff happening in it. But ultimately, my pick for the most underrated film of the year is El Camino. Uh, okay. I, I'm a Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul super fan. Um, I adore these shows completely. And I found El Camino to be such a beautiful coda to Breaking Bad. It was, it is this phenomenal epilogue that is, is perfect for the character of Jesse. It's incredibly well directed. Vince Gilligan himself directed the, the film and it is exceptionally well made to me. It's unshowy in some ways and then just oozing with style in other ways and it feels like the whole thing exists because Vince Gilligan looked at the ending of Breaking Bad and was like you know what let's make things a little bit nicer for Jesse and it's just like erased a little bit and made it a little nice not erase anything in Breaking Bad but there's there's parallels between the final shots of Jesse in Breaking Bad and El Camino and it feels like the parallel is intentional so that you can look at, at the, the new ending and be like, okay, now that's, that's nice. That's, it's good. Yeah. So it's just, I, it's, it's my pick for most underrated because I, I do think it is just genuinely great. It's super thoughtful, really beautifully made. Um, uh, Aaron Paul is, he should be an Oscar winner by now. His, his acting chops are just insane he's so good he's He's so good it's it's ridiculous how talented he is and so yeah i I think because it's kind of tied up as like you know the epilogue to a show with a low theatrical run because again netflix just doesn't like making money um it it kind of just came and went and i just think that's a shame because you know breaking bad and better call saul had all this hype around it and I think El Camino has not gotten the recognition it deserves, but it's it's fantastic. Nice. Yeah, that's one that I never saw. And honestly, I kind of had a bias against it because I saw Breaking Bad. I watched all of it, and I thought the finale was perfect, and I didn't want it to tarnish anything like in my mind. So I just didn't watch El Camino <laughs> based off of 
the finale was perfect. Like the, in fact, the entire show was perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. So, um, I, I didn't want that to, I didn't want it. And honestly, I heard kind of mixed things about it, which is kind of why I guess you have it as your underrated, um, underrated film. But I, I don't know. I just never saw it mainly because, mainly because I just didn't want to ruin what came yeah. before. <laughs> it, to me, it feels like the breaking bad finale was I, I agree. Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time. I think it is truly perfect, like top to bottom. But that finale to me is so perfect for Walt. And I feel like El yeah. Camino is so perfect for Jesse. And okay, it is, okay. I like that. Yeah, it's just it. nothing about it feels like a cash grab. There's You could feel the markers of like, uh, they just wanted this so that they could blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel like that at all. It just feels like we needed an hour and a half to get these last moments with him and understand. Because, you know, he goes through a lot in that last season. And these last moments of farewell for him and to realize what he's doing and what it is that he's got to get out of life. Now, it is is genuinely great to me. Mm. Mm. Add that to the list. (laughs) Um, yeah. Okay. So for me, mine is, mine's a little different because mine isn't a movie that I don't think people respect. I think generally, if you ask people, did you like this movie? I think generally you'll, you'll hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, but when you look at people's rankings for this year, for 2019, I never see this movie in the top five or even a lot of top tens you see it in some, but Generally speaking, this movie, because of so many other movies that came out this year, this one kind of gets forgotten. And I just want to bring attention to it as often as I can. Knives Out. Freaking Knives Out. Again, people like it. Like, it's pretty much universally liked. It's like even the people who hate The Last Jedi love Knives Out, or at least like it. And, but again, when you, I looked on Letterboxd just to see, like, this, can I even do this? I looked on Letterboxd and I was like, I don't see hardly any that have knives out within the top area of these uh, of these rankings. And I just think I think people I think people forget how good it was. Not only that, this year is just insane. So it's it's fine. But I just think, first of all, it just hit me in all the right spots. Ryan Johnson is my guy. I love Ryan Johnson. Um, he's just a director that pretty much what he, anything he does, I'm, I'm going to go see and probably love it. Um, but he comes out with this murder mystery, which I had for, I mean, I used to read murder mystery stuff as a kid. I used to love mystery books. I read the Hardy boys, nice. like Cam Jansen, like, like I read all those things and I loved them. I, I read all of them and um, I just forgot, like once I sat down to watch this movie, I figured I'd probably like it. But when I sat down and started watching, it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how much I needed a murder mystery because it's been a while. You know, we got the the Kenneth Branagh stuff, which uh, what what is that? The like murder the death on the, on the Nile Express. stuff. Yeah, I, I never saw any of those. So um, and I've kind of heard middling things about them. Um, but I. 
just forgot oh my gosh murder mystery is like my thing and i forgot and it just kind of awoke that uh that side of me and that desire in me to watch this kind of thing and um the way that he does the the cast is perfect the 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 they have perfect chemistry together um i mean freaking um the old guy i'm so i feel terrible christopher christopher Plummer. Plummer, Christopher Plummer. I'm sorry, late the late great Christopher Plummer. Um, I he was fantastic. I absolutely loved him. Um, and uh, this was also my uh, my first experience watching uh, Anna de Armas on a screen. Uh, that was the first thing I ever saw her oh, in nice. as well. And she was very good. Chris Evans was great. Um, I, I loved them all. The great cast. Uh, Ryan Johnson's cousin, um, blanking on his name, he did the music. He composed it. Fantastic, nice. weird score. Um, really great. Steve Yedlin on cinematography. I just, I just, there's some shots in this movie that are like weird shots for a murder mystery. You don't see them, but they're like, like super dynamic shots in this movie. And uh, I don't know. I just, I love everything about the, the pacing of the movie. I love that it, that it like gives away the answer in the middle of the movie, but then it like does its own weird thing in the back part of the movie. Um, I just, I just think Ryan Johnson just has a great way of, and I'm just going to say it. Everybody hates it, but subverting our expectations, but for the good, um, um, don't even get me started <laughs> on some of the things people say about it, him and subverting expectations. But dude, Knives Out, it's a movie that I've watched at least – I mean I watch it at least once a year. I think I've watched it twice this year already. But the um, it, it's a movie that I just I, – it's going to be – it's one of my favorites of, of the year. We'll talk about that later. But that is to me underrated for where you see it in people's rankings. I, this has kind of become a yearly watch for us as well because we we actually watched it on Thanksgiving Day. We and, did too. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it's not an overtly Thanksgiving film, but one because we you know so many people watched it that day, and two, it just has great fall vibes. Like it does. I'm like Chris Evans sweater. I was I mean. about to say, I just love watching the wardrobe of the whole cast. Like his, his sweater is the star of the show, but like everybody's wearing <laughs> these awesome coats and scarves and stuff. Uh, just, that alone has me like, oh, look how cool everybody looks. I love that. And uh, yeah. just seeing like the leaves and everything. And there, there is a, there's just so much that this movie does like that just like it knocks out of the park. It does one of my favorite things that, like, I think the best murder mysteries do, which is make the location feel like a character. And that house yes. is that house is iconic now. You know, like just yeah. the look of it, the shots from the outside, I the color grading. I feel like in this yeah. movie is just the all the the beautiful like fall tones and everything. Like it's just this movie is such a vibe. And like I do like what you're saying. I, I love the fact that he's both able to go straight mystery and subvert it at the same time. Like it is one of those rare instances of he just had his cake and ate it too, and it somehow all yep. worked. Because he's like, <laughs> yeah. here's here's the actual here's who murdered. Like here's here's how and it wasn't, you know, murder, obviously, but like here's how it happened. I'm telling you right now, but there's a mystery. 
and I get to do yep. both and it's going to work somehow. And you're like, dang it, it worked somehow. That was awesome. Yep. It's, yep. it's such I, a fun yeah, man. movie. I just love that he's doing this. Like he's, he's just kind of just dive head first right into just, I I'm the mystery guy. Now he's got, he's got glass onion, which I really like glass onion a lot. I think, I think knives out stronger, but uh, glass onion was a ton of fun. And his show on Peacock poker faced it poker face is absolutely phenomenal. Again, it's a great. different style. What'd you say? I, I've heard it's great. It's so great. It's it's a different style of mystery again. It's but it's more in the Columbo mold. Did you ever watch Columbo? Uh, I've seen some episodes. Yeah, it's like so. The first, basically, the first like ten minutes of the episode, it sets up the murder, and you see it happen. So you know from the beginning, I know who killed. I know who did it. But you get to have fun watching the person now watching the detective now figure out the mystery. It's a different style of mystery. such a great conceit too. You know, I know it's, so cool. it's like, it sounds like it gives away the whole thing. And was like, where's the, like, where's the intrigue, but it's there. I'm telling you, it's such a great idea. And that's really what, that's kind of what the, what they do for that show, but it's great. But yeah, knives out freaking love it. Absolutely love it. I, maybe I'll watch it later tonight. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Next up is Pleasant Surprise. I have one from this year for sure that was like, I was just blown away by, I did not expect it. But what, what about you? Yeah, so I had a pleasant surprise this year in that there was a, a trailer for a smaller movie and I thought that looks pretty cool. And, you know, every now and then it's fun to like find these lower budget things that you're like, oh, like we'll see every now and then they turn into a huge favorite. There's a film called they look like people that's like this. It's phenomenal. Go watch it. If you haven't seen it, definitely heard of that one. <laughs> exactly. Like it's one of those rare, like it's, it's the, the diamond in the rough that is just like, yeah. you hope to find it. And every few years you find it. Um, but the, this film is called the vast of night. Uh, it, it's a pleasant surprise in that I turned it on thinking, maybe this will be a fun diversion. Maybe this will be a fun hour and a half. And it ended up becoming a, like a real favorite from that year. It's, it's an alien invasion film, but told through a really unique way where it's, it's set in the 1950s and it's this high school student who is a, she works as a switchboard operator for the town. So she, you know, she's plugging in all the calls and stuff. And a lot of the film is just set with her there. And then like the local like radio host from the high school, they've got great chemistry together. And it's just them at the switchboard. Something's going on. There's something messing with airwaves. And so like they're interviewing different people through the thing. They're taking callers. They're hearing like, and it just builds intrigue through it. It's soup. Like there's a lot of really cool wonders. Like there's this one wonder where it's like, it takes you all the way from like one side of town through an ongoing like high school basketball game through the crowd out the window onto the other side of town all in a single take like it's it's just wow. it's it's got so much cool style to it the 50s aesthetic is super fun like the quaint technology is just like it's it just ended up being such a fun feel and, and vibe to it that when it ended, I was like, my gosh, this was so much more than I was expecting going into this. 
So like it truly like to me, it was the definition of a pleasant surprise of like, well, let's see what we'll get into. Like now I've watched this several times since and I've shown people. So it, it's it's a great movie. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. So you you said uh, I, I, I was listening for what the title was and I think you said something and I thought that was the title. <laughs> So that's why I said, that's why I said, oh, I've never heard of that. Oh. <laughs> but it, wasn't, it was like, I was like, wow, that's a long title. But it wasn't, I don't even remember what it was, but it's called The Vast of Night. The, the actual Night, title. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. that That's a much better title. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, cool. I'll have to keep that one on my radar because I've never heard. I actually also have never heard of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's hilarious. Um, yeah, for me, um, my wife wanted to go see a movie and I wasn't super interested because there was already a version of this film made back in the day. And um, and I saw that as a kid. And I, I think I remember it being good, but I was also a kid, so I don't think I really appreciated it. But um, I went into this thinking, okay, I mean, I'm going basically because because Kendall wants to go see it, so I'm that's fine. I'm happy to do that, but I didn't expect to really have a lot to say about it myself. Um, but I went and saw Little Women, and uh, and by Greta Gerwig, the 2019 version. And was absolutely floored by this movie. Now, we have talked about this on the podcast before. We have a lost episode of this. Oh, uh, uh, that's right. I was about to say, well, you can hear our thoughts. Wait, no, you can't. You can't hear our thoughts on this one because it's a lost episode. But, um, but man, uh, a spoiler alert, we all love this movie on this podcast. But this one was a pleasant surprise because I did not expect anything from it. I don't remember much about the old one. I was just going here because my wife wanted to see this movie and I was like really happy to go see it, but at the same time, not expecting to love it. And I just did. I loved everything about it. Basically. It was like, um, I mean, I, first of all, the performances, you can't really get around it. The performances are incredible. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, um, I always forget how to pronounce her name. Is it Saoirse Ronan? She's, uh, she, she was so, yeah. phenomenal. Uh, she was phenomenal. I loved Emma Watson in this movie. She was wonderful. I absolutely loved her. Um, I mean, everyone. Uh, Florence Pugh was great. Laura freaking Dern. So good uh, in everything. Saul always. Goodman. Um, Incredible. What? Bob Odenkirk. Saul Goodman. Bob Odenkirk for that five minutes he's in it. <laughs> it's such a wholesome five minutes, though. It is. It's such a wholesome. It's like, it, yeah, he he just brings the Christmas joy with him. Um, yeah, beautiful. This movie, the the score, the direction, the way that they chose to tell the story nonlinear. I think you could. I, I know it messes. It, it made some people not like it. For me, it really, really worked. I loved the way that they chose to go about it with like each each um, each both of the places in the timeline kind of had their own their own look to them. So you could very easily follow along. It wasn't difficult at all. And um, uh, absolutely beautiful movie. I think it's one of those like heartwarming, but also like tear jerkers at times. It's very uh, what's the poor girl's name that dies? Um, Oh, um it's not Amy. Not Joe. Jo- 
Amy, Amy? There's Joe. No, Amy. No, it's not Amy. You. Beth. It's Beth. <sighs> okay, yeah. So Beth was too good for this world. Beth was absolutely wonderful. Um when she got the piano. I mean, I I don't know. This movie just is I think we we talked about this at that episode when we were talking about <laughs> this movie in our lost episode. It's just like good people doing good things, you know? And and it, it it's it's nice to see. <laughs> it's just nice to see. And uh I I love this movie and I'd love it so much more than I expected. And again, the score by Alexander Desplat is absolutely beautiful. Like one of my favorites of that year. So, um, and it didn't, I don't even think it, did it get nominated for, for, for Oscars that year? Yes. Cause if it didn't, it, it was nominated it for best picture. Uh, no, but the score, Oh, the score, the score. I think it was. Okay, good. At least it was nominated because that, mm. Okay. We get to talk about our our favorite thing to talk about, our least favorite film. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, so <laughs> our least favorite films of the 2019 uh, in a year full of beautiful movies and some giant budget, some tiny budget, some right in the middle. There's also some stinkers for sure, just like any year. Um, James, what is your what was your least favorite movie of the year? Yeah, fortunately, there's only a small handful of films that I was more negative on than than positive. Uh, Lion King live action was lifeless and soulless. Thank uh, you. Terminator Dark Fate or whatever is just the like quintessential <laughs> like corporate cash and on a big name, bland. Men in Black International. I have to remind myself is a movie that exists. It is the most forgettable <laughs> film I've maybe ever seen in my life. Uh, but picking least favorite comes down between a couple. And I, I'm, I'm still actually not sure on my answer because it's it's for different reasons. One of them is It Chapter 2, which is just a bad movie. It's just bad. It's bad, and I really liked the first one. I didn't love it like some people, but it was it was a really fun, really great R-rated, scary Stephen King adaptation. And it chapter two was just bad, so that was disappointing. That's sad. But the other one is Rise of Skywalker, and <sighs> this thing just this movie just took the wind out of my sails. I was I was riding high as a Star Wars fan. I love The Force Awakens. I love The Last Jedi. I love Rogue One. I love Solo. I love Rebels. I was loving Disney Star Wars. I was at, like, I was having such a good time. Mando was right in the swing of things. I was having a great time with that. There was nothing to worry about in my eyes, even though, you know, The Last Jedi haters were out there and then Solo flopped. For me personally, like, boy, I was just riding high. And. Two days before it released, the Rotten Tomatoes score drops, and it's like a 57. And I felt like my heart dropped. Like, I... It ruined my day. <laughs> Which is, I guess speaks to me being more invested in this series than I should be. Uh, 
but I had just been spending like two years defending Last Jedi as a huge, you know, lover of it. Um, oh yeah, I know that, that that battle's still not over, but uh, but it was just like I was just so excited. The trailer for Rise of Skywalker was phenomenal. It's the coolest version of like the main <laughs> theme. Like it all it just makes me want to cry listening to the version they use in that trailer. <laughs> um, Oh. And so I, I kept hoping against hope. You know, I, I kept thinking maybe you know critics you have been, maybe critics are to trying go. to throw on like the <laughs> annoying fan base a bone and saying, actually, they're right. Ugh. This one's not good. So I was like, I will. We'll see. I was just wanting to enjoy it. Um, and so I saw it with the group. And I feel That's like so that. It, it, I, there was a checklist and I'm, I'm generally the guy who's like, Hey, don't walk into it with a, a, a checklist of these are what you have to do. Like, these are my expectations, but there were, there was a checklist of like, this is, these are things that you just shouldn't do. And they checked every box. It, it was seriously, that whole movie was just two and a half hours of counting down. Like, Oh, they did that. Oh, they just did that. Great. They just did that. And I, my my movie buddy that I watch everything with, he told me after the fact, he's like, when I saw you walk into the theater, you look like somebody like freaking ran over your dog. I've never seen you so depressed. You know, like I wasn't trying to put on a show or anything. I just I guess I just walked out being like, I'm so deflated right now. This is the <laughs> this is the finale of the Skywalker saga. This is canon now, and I have to live with it. <laughs> so yeah, I have a lot of. Oh, I'll have a lot of um, criticisms and complaints and problems with this film. You and me both, man, that because it's my least favorite, too. <laughs> there was no there was no way getting around it. I saw on your list. I thought that there was like a Transformers movie that came out this year that might have been lower than the Rise of Skywalker. But I could be wrong. But I thought I thought there's there's a pretty good chance we're going to have the same last <laughs> the same least favorite movie and uh yeah this one the it is i'm the same way i mean listen if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't figured out by now all three of us love the last jedi so i'm sorry if that ruins it for you um but uh we do and we'll explain it all at some at an it's a good question for another time as 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 uh maz Kanata once said um but um so the rise of Skywalker. I was also riding high because the last Jedi, um, the last Jedi was just an incredible experience for me. Every time I watch it, I like it more. And, um, uh, I found that it just breathed a life into star Wars that honestly, I loved the force awakens too, on a lot of levels. I have my criticisms of it. There's a couple things I wish they would have done differently and better. But overall, I really enjoy that movie a lot. J.J. Abrams knows what he's doing with reboots and or like at least like starting new, you know, starting new kind of reboot ish things. And he's a he's an amazing director. Um, and by the way, lots of good direction yeah. in this movie. There's some really cool stuff to see with your eyes from a yeah. directorial standpoint. Yeah, it's moment. Yeah, moment to moment, scene to scene. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous it's to look at. I, I still get excited 
thinking about Ray doing that slow-mo flip over the interceptor. Like, I mean, it's, it's oh. so good. <laughs> There's things about the interior of the star destroyer has never no. looked cool. I mean, yeah. Holy I mean, crap. JJ knows what he's doing on so many levels, but he and Chris Terrio, I don't know what they, I don't know what, I know there was probably some interference because of the backlash that happened with the last Jedi, but man, just to see the to see what they were doing with the Last Jedi and the direction it could have gone, and to see where it ended up going, it was so deflating for me too. And now I will say, the first time I walked out of the theater, I was trying to convince myself that I really liked it. So I did. I I, I said I even had a Star Wars podcast at the time, and I even said I like this movie better than most. Like I I was like kind of defending it a little bit, and like I watched it again. And I liked it a little less. And then I watched it again and I liked it less. And I watched this movie five times in the theaters just because I needed to figure out what I thought about it. And I always see Star Wars movies at least five times anyway. So I – every time I watched it, it just became clear, oh, no. I do not like this movie and I don't (laughs) want to admit it. Eventually I had to. And – yeah, there's just so many issues with it. We're not going to go specifics tonight, but um, there's just so many issues I have with it that unfortunately it is my least favorite Star Wars movie, period. Um, no, it comes before the Clone Wars movie, but um, because it's, it's at least in, pretty in, to yeah, look it, at. And it's a even though I don't like the, the story, it is a one story <laughs> um <laughs> whereas right. the clone wars movie is just three episodes uh taped together uh with bad tape so but this is my least favorite live action star wars movie and it's easily my least favorite movie to come out this in 2019 so unfortunately but we shared that one that's the first um that's the first time that we've uh had the same the same answers on any of these um, but, yeah, and I mean it was. Bad, uh, yeah, bad it, was. Year. It, it, was. it was. It was okay. So we're about to get going what into our I... favorite. <laughs> yeah, I know we could just start talking about that movie. Um, <laughs> no, we're not good. No, guys, we've we have kind of made a decision on this podcast. The first time we're going to just absolutely rip into a movie uh, is when we inevitably talk about avatar the last airbender the movie <laughs> uh, so that's the first time we're just gonna rip into a movie uh, so we're not gonna go too far into rise of skywalker right now but again another time um okay we're gonna we're about to talk about our favorite films of the year we're gonna give some honorable mentions and then we'll talk about our top three a little more in detail if we want to Um, But James, before we do that, I really wanted to – you brought up – you reminded me – or not reminded me. You just told me of a story uh, the other day about the Oscars. I figured this was a good time. I want – can you tell this – like what you told me about the – like Bong Joon-ho and the the Oscars and stuff like that. Uh, This year, apparently the Oscars ceremony itself, I was following on Twitter because I was invested, but I was not at home. But um, So I didn't actually watch the ceremony, but James watched the ceremony, and he said it was great. So, James, tell us a little bit about why that ceremony was so special. Yeah, so it was special for, I think, two distinct reasons. One, everything that was nominated was great, and there was every reason to be invested in everything. Um, So, like, that's that's an automatic win to me. It's just like... Man, I've seen like 
most of the things nominated and so much of the stuff is just great. Like it, it's, that is just an immediate win. And I'm not somebody who rails against the Oscars. I, I generally quite enjoy the Oscars and, and usually always have a, a, a few that I love that get nominated. So there's always that. But for this, it was just like the Oscars reflected the banger year that 2019 was. So that alone is awesome. But two, this was sometimes like Oscars in their jokes and their hosts and stuff. They lean a bit too cynical where it's. Yeah, there, there's a lot of like making fun of movies instead of celebrating movies. Um and like save that for the Golden Globes. Ricky Gervais's thing at the Golden Globes is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, this absolutely. Is this is prestigious to me. Like this is where we're about truly like celebrating film. Yeah. And this just felt like a celebration of film and like just it was like the cinephile's dream. So Tarantino wins best original screenplay for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he goes up there and he has this great acceptance speech. He thanks Margot Robbie for bringing just a sweetness to a Tarantino film that you've never seen before. <laughs> and it was, it was a great speech. Um, but then Bong Joon-ho goes up three separate times for best director, best, uh, best foreign language film, and best film. And he has these incredible speeches where like he's he's using his time up there to just gush about people he loves. Like so he goes up there, I think probably for the I don't know, it's for either best international feature film or best uh, director. But he goes up there for one of those and he's like, you know, Tarantino's already won. And he's like, well, I just want to thank Tarantino because he saw my monster movie, the host and raved about it. And people saw it because what's this monster movie Tarantino is talking about. And he's like, he always talks about my films when he sees them and he brings me a Western audience. And it's just like, that's great. So he's just basically using that speech to thank Tarantino and stuff. And then he wins for, you know, best film. And he's talking about like, I just won best film in a category where a Scorsese film was nominated. Like that's crazy. And then he gets everybody to give Martin Scorsese a standing ovation. And like, it's just like, it just, and so like every, he's up there winning an Oscar and then everybody's like standing and clapping for Scorsese. who's clearly getting emotional in the moment. So it just, it felt like it was all of Celebration. these phenomenal, like, it's just like all of these incredible artists just like, complimenting and gushing about their favorite artists who are all there. Like it just, it was so awesome. And, and I watched it with a couple of friends, like the same friends that I went out and saw, you know, Jojo rabbit and parasite with. So we're watching it and we are all rooting for parasite to win. And when it's announced that it went, like, it was like, it was the super bowl for us. We we're like, we are screaming, jumping off the couch, <laughs> like excited. Like that's what it was for us. So it was just like, it, it really, there, there's a reason to me, like, this is the best one since I got to see Return of the King sweep the Oscars in twenty or two thousand four. Like it's just, it was just people loving movies and directors and gushing about it all. And I'm like, this is this is what I want the Oscars to be. This is awesome. Hmm. That's awesome, dude. I really wish I could. Have, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pull that 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 up on YouTube or something because I'm definitely interested in seeing how that all played out. But that's so beautiful. All right, so here we go. We're gonna we're gonna go through our honorable mentions pretty quickly. If I'll tell you what, why don't we? Why don't you? What do you think, James? Should we go 
should we do like you go and it's like 10 through four and then I go my 10 through four or should we just go straight through? Uh, What if we did like one of us does 10 through four, the other does 10 through four. And then what if we alternate for three, two, one? I like it. I like that a lot. Let's do that. Okay. So what we're going to do is we will go 10 through four um, and I'll go first and then James will go and then we will, and then we'll go back and forth for our, Top three. All right. So we'll, we'll make these a little quicker. Um, so first of all, for my, for my uh, number 10, I have a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Oh, I need uh, to watch it. Yeah, dude, it's beautiful. Oh, that's on my, that's on my missed list. Dang okay. It. Okay, cool. Yeah. I saw one that you didn't see. Look at there. <laughs> um, no, that this movie was beautiful. I, it was one of those that I didn't know what to expect fully. But again, Tom Hanks just playing these like uh, playing these like people who existed like Walt Disney. Did you see Saving Mr. Banks? Yes, that was a delightful movie. It I was saw. so good. And Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney was so good. And then apparently he can play Mr. Rogers perfectly. So, you know what? He is my Mr. Rogers. Um, so, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Great movie. Number nine, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Capping off a perfect, nearly perfect animated trilogy. Um, I can't say enough good things about the how to train your dragon trilogy. But if you haven't seen it, go see it because it is like all three movies. It is, it is tear inducing. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, highly recommend. Okay. Number eight Avengers Endgame. I am higher on this than a lot of people, even though I think most people love it for the event that it is. I love it for more than the event. I actually love like the first act of it where they're just like where they're like sitting in like the depression of what happened. That's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> so sad, but other than Same. portals, of course, portals. Right. But, um, you know, obviously there's the time travel stuff. It's a little wonky and, you know, whatever. But I love this movie and it emotionally resonates with me so strong and freaking Alan Silvestri's score. Is awesome. awesome. There are several moments. I just got chills thinking about it. There's several moments. There's like a acoustic guitar theme that he does. It's so good. Um, Avengers Endgame, great. Ford versus Ferrari, or Ford v Ferrari, whatever. Directed by James Mangle, Christian Bale, and Matt Damon. I love this movie. It's just a great time. It's just like the chemistry between Christian Bale and Matt Damon. <laughs> is like it's perfect they they are so good on screen together i think james mangold is one of the great directors we have working he's not like he's not one of the like top tier directors but he's like he's a step or two down but like really great um really great director and i i just really loved this movie i think this is his this is my favorite movie he's done um i think i really love logan too but i think this one i think i like this one even better um, so really fun movie. Um, all right. Top five. Oh no, I'm sorry. That was number seven. Number six. I'm probably never going to watch this movie again, but it's so good. Marriage story. Mm. <sighs> Marriage story. I watched this with my wife at the end. <laughs> Y'all can ask her if you ever see her. 
um, I was like holding her, just like crying my eyes out. <laughs> like, like this movie is absolutely heartbreaking on every level. Adam Driver's performance with Scarlett Johansson's performances are so real. Uh, unbelievable movie. Um, I can't say enough good things, even though, again, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It is just so sad to me because one of my like one of the saddest things to me is when a marriage doesn't work. Um, And like the reality that sets in for like the cut, the kid in there and all that. It's just but it's also beautiful because they the way that they work it in the movie, they, they don't get back together, but they're trying their best. And that's just sometimes all you can do and it is absolutely beautiful i recommend watching it once but just have your tissues ready (laughs) um yeah little women number five um again we talked about this movie earlier i absolutely love it on on pretty much every level i can't remember there was definitely something that kept it from being a five star for me but i can't remember what it was (laughs) um I really can't remember, but I love it. Absolutely love it. Number four, 1917. We haven't talked about this at all tonight. Um, oh my gosh, what a movie. <laughs> the from I mean, obviously you have Roger Deakins doing cinematography, and I only know a couple of cine- cinematographers' names. This is one of them. Yeah. Um, He's the guy all, to know, of, really. What? He's the guy to know. Yeah, like you have to know his name if you watch movies at all. <laughs> and I mean, it this this movie is just him showcasing what he can do. Um th- there are several moments. I think the one that I think of the most, you know, the one that gets talked about is the one that's like supposed to be a it comes off as a oneer even though it's technically not one, I think, but um the it's like a super long shot though and it, the way it's edited it looks like a wonder and it's really brilliant it's amazing but the one i think about is when he like falls down the stairs and gets knocked out and then he wakes up and it's just like raining fire outside do you remember that yeah that sequence is like it gave me chills Frick, in the theater oh my gosh like that scene is just so good and and this movie is just non-stop from beginning to end an absolute like just it it, my heart just i was on the edge of my seat heart racing uh yeah best war movie i've seen in a while now i there's a couple i haven't seen in recent years um but 1917 absolutely amazing so that's my 10 to 4 any thoughts on my 10 to 4 before we go to yours yeah uh 1917 is definitely going to pop up on mine. Good. Uh, that I, I also put that in like the, the number one spot of like war films that have come out in like the last 10 years. It is just <sighs> exceptional. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. Also like, this is what we were talking about. How far back, like how many honorable mentions do we want to go? And What's crazy is like some of yours that you listed aren't in my top 10. And then I got really sad about them not being in my top 10. Like I thought <laughs> 10 should be able to cover everything I love, but it's really not like tw- this year is just phenomenal. It's like, crazy, it's just, man. It's incredible. I'm uh, sure. And I'm sure some of yours will probably be movies that I'm like, man, frick, why isn't that in mine? <laughs> so, 
Yeah, uh, but man, just a solid list all around. Um, I know I have Endgame higher than you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, the thing is with, with with that one, that one's out just outside my ten. Um, it's the it's the middle act. The middle act is the thing. Yeah. That holds back it's definitely me. the I, weakest part. Yeah, I, I I don't love a lot of the time travely stuff. Um, yeah, I get it, but. Um, but so and starting at number 10 for me, uh, I have a, a film there called uh, Sound of Metal. It is a great drama about uh, a drummer in just a duo. It's just he and his girlfriend. Uh, and he goes deaf at the beginning of the film. And it is about him getting plugged into a deaf community and learning what life looks like for him now. Uh, it is incredible. Riz Ahmed is phenomenal in it. Olivia Cook is an underrated actress. She's really great in it. Um, it's just a great film with like that. It feels so I feel like these are just like weightless buzzwords now, but I just want to say like raw and authentic and like, but that's what that feels like. And like, it's so natural. You just feel like you're going through. It's, it's hard to watch because imagine losing your hearing, you know, like it's, you just feel like you're watching a man learn what his life is going to look like now, but it's really beautiful. Uh, my number nine film is the farewell. Uh, this film is also, incredible um i joke now that between uh minari past lives and the farewell just movies about the asian american identity is becoming my favorite subgenre. <laughs> like it's just mine too apparently <laughs> these movies are just really yeah. really great and the, the farewell is incredible it's another film that is it's not movie acting it's just inc- so believable in performances you feel like you're watching this family great great film uh, my number eight is Uncut Gems. Uh, this movie is just taking it, a syringe of adrenaline and p- shooting it straight into your heart. Um, this is an anxiety trip, um, but it is phenomenal. Adam Sandler's best performance, definitely. Uh, he is, this was the big snub of the year, if I'm being honest. Uh, Sandler is just, he's incredible. He is absolutely like staggeringly incredible in this to me. Did he get nominated? No, no nomination. That was what was wild. I didn't For need him, him to or win. the movie. Do I? For him no, or no, the movie. Uncut Gems was like shut out of the Oscars. That was like wow. the big crazy thing. Um, okay. But it's, it's, it's my favorite film from the Safdie brothers. I think it is the direction is, just insane it is a monster of a movie that is just trucking through and you're like how is this done this was just people on a set with a camera and they turned it into this and i feel like my heart is about to stop it's incredible um my number seven pick is midsummer uh i'm a big horror fan and i'm a big ari aster fan um this is a, a rare daylight horror film but the direction is incredible florence Pugh's best performance she's insanely good in this um really unique all around uh real trip 
really interesting to think about after the fact. It's been a very great conversational movie. Um, really solid. Uh, my number six pick is 1917. Uh, just incredible. There we go. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if I've ever felt this close to the lead in a war film. Mm. Um, and I, it's one of the, those films where you just feel like you want to, you want to pause and you don't want to just praise the casting as in, Oh, they happen to cast a great director, but I feel like the philosophy behind the casting and this needs to be praised because it looks like they hired a bunch of like 17 and 18 year old kids. Like war films, a lot of the time try to get that idea across like, Oh, you know, we're sending our youth to fight, but it's, it's, it's the, the classic Hollywood high school thing of like, you're casting 31 year olds as the youth. Right. And this just feels like you're watching genuinely like young men go off to die. And it, it makes it hurt even more because you're like, these, these men are like, they're barely men. They, they still in so many ways look like boys mm. uh, and going on this journey from once just, you know, you just, it's all, there's no time jumps. He never skips any amount of land. There's no travel. He makes that we're not there with him. So just going on this journey with him is pretty incredible. And it's, it's a exceptional film. Mm. Um, my number five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, this is just, it's a great hangout movie. I only liked it the first time I saw it because I was not prepared for what kind of film it was. And I kept waiting for the movie to start kind of thing where I was like, <laughs> what is and then on rewatch, I was like, if you just give yourself over to like the vibe of the movie and just like hang out with the characters, like, Leo and Brad together in this is like the greatest set of buddies ever. And on rewatch, I'm like, dang it. What was I like? I, all I want to do is hang out with these guys. Now there's a, like a five minute scene where they watch an episode of a show Leo is in. And it's just their commentary. Like the movie is just watching his TV show while they talk about him in it. It's like, it is, it is, it's what you do with your friends. You know, it's just, yeah. So it's so much fun. Uh, and it's got a phenomenal Tarantino ending. Uh, uh, and my number four pick is Jojo Rabbit. This film mm. brought me to tears uh, multiple times. Uh, I'll, I'll save it. I know this is going to be in your your lengthier pick, so I'm I'm going to hold off commenting until then because no, you can you can go. Well, so, I, um, it's, oh, we'll go back and forth. So if you want to wait, that's fine. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I kind of like because it's it's. I definitely want to hear what you have to say on it, though. <laughs> yeah, I boy, this movie's special. Oh, dude, I, yeah, I, obviously, I can't wait to talk about that one. Um, okay, so first of all, I will say this: out of those, I've literally only seen two of your ten through four. I've only seen two of them. And we've been talking about this whole time how stacked this year is. I've seen, I saw a bunch of movies this year. I still haven't seen Midsummer. I haven't seen Uncut Gems. I haven't seen Sound of Metal. I haven't seen. Uh, there's a couple more I haven't seen, and absolutely uh, just crazy. I I got to get to all these. <laughs> um, but man, what a freaking year! Gosh, unbelievable. Um, okay, here we go. We'll go back and forth now. 
My number three, and I've already talked about it tonight. I'm not going to go too much longer on it. Knives Out. Knives Out is high on my list uh, because it deserves to be. Uh, the the everything that we talked about earlier with the cinematography and uh, from a technical standpoint, this movie is just a vibe, as James said. Um, it it is it feels it's a it's also weirdly a comfort movie, but like it's so cozy. It's so cozy. A lot of times when we say comfort movies, it's like there's almost like an inherent, not necessarily, but there's an inherent like, I know it's not the best, but this makes me feel good. That's not the case here. This movie is like just great on every level to me. And it's a comfort movie. (laughs) It's like I could rewatch this movie over and over, even though I know what happens because it's so fun too. And it's, freaking hilarious like there's some of the the family some of the stuff the family says to each other when they're bickering is hysterical they're so good plus uh a little bonus thing here the lawyer is played by freaking frank oz and uh, (laughs) which for those who don't know is the voice of yoda the the iconic voice of yoda and he's just like a guy in this movie um he's hilarious for his little bit he's great no he's perfect i love him uh so great uh man i absolutely love this movie so yeah james what's your number three? Oh, or well, if, unless you I, have I, I need to i need to heap one more praise onto knives out uh yes go the casting more because i mean we still haven't said that jamie lee curtis is in it and she's jamie lee Cur- yeah and then <laughs> i am a michael shannon like super fan he's so good he's he's playing against type of this and he is hilarious i think he has like two of my favorite lines in the whole film and they're just background lines where like you know uh he's telling him to eat every like you know telling everybody that and and you hear it go i will not eat one iota yes it's so good i will eat one iota because that's uh, not in the script man that's just him being that's just him like just adding something and then there's oh, another so line whenever like he's clearly fed up with ransom like just eating his little chips ahoy cookies there and he's in the background you hear him be like you want some milk with your cookie it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny just a natural uh, humor thing. It's not a joke. It's just like, yeah. like it's just an obnoxious family member <laughs> saying funny things in the background. Because yeah, that stuff that he's you're, you don't even know if that's gonna make the cut. You're just saying things, and it's so he's so good. It yeah. worked. Don Johnson too. It's so. Oh good. yeah, gosh, Don Johnson is so funny in this. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. what a movie. Yeah, it's great. Uh, my number three is. Oh, by the uh, way, sorry, Daniel Craig. By the way, oh, <laughs> none wait, of us have even mentioned God, freaking Benoit Blanc himself, Daniel Craig. Uh, he's amazing. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Just had I'm to mention you, it. How did that happen? Did that <laughs> I don't even know. I felt terrible mentioned. instantly. <laughs> Gosh, he's awesome. He is so funny yeah. in it too. It's so quotable too. Now the Already, Southern like, draw. Yeah, there's. I feel like so many lines in that film are already iconic now. Yep. Um, even just the way he says, you know, there's been a murder. <laughs> it's like The Office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Michael Scott beat him to it. Um, <laughs> my number three is The Irishman. Um, 
And what's funny is, so 2019 is the thing that is, is the year that turned me into a Scorsese fan. Um, because I had, I had seen, um, the departed years back. It was a TV edit though. Uh, so there's a lot that was cut. I, I knew I liked it. It was great. Before that, like I had, I had seen, but it, it, you know, a TV cut of a Scorsese film is not going to beat the true film, uh, right, right. And and so, but I'd seen that, and I had seen Shutter Island, and I really liked Shutter Island. <laughs> That's uh, the only one I've seen. <laughs> I feel it's, so it's, bad. <laughs> but, you know, I, but I, like it was clear. I just I did not like. I know he's like he's the guy, Scorsese, like the great American director. Um, and so whenever the Irishman was coming out and it was like kind of being presented as his swan song to the, the genre, his final thoughts on this kind of person, uh, me and a couple friends, the, the two that like we, we watched all the movies together that year, we decided let's go through all of his mob movies before the Irishman comes out. And so we watched Mean Streets and Goodfellas and Casino and Gangs of New York and The Departed. And like it culminated in a viewing of The Irishman together. And mm. by the end of that marathon, I was like, I get it. <laughs> I like I yeah. understand the hype. Holy crap. And The Irishman is this incredible story of this guy's life. Just all like the connections he's made the toll it takes on like getting involved in everything takes on his family. Um, but what, what makes this film so special to me is that I think it's like two hours and 40 minutes or so. I, I think like two hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes of this film is, is similar to like Goodfellas and casino and stuff where it's, there's a lot of time jumps. There's a lot of like watching the decades roll along and how things change and all that. And so you're watching this man kind of go through the motions that these other people do. And then the last 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes of the film is him in an assisted living home. And it's him in the, like truly in his twilight years coming to terms with the choices he's made and where it's brought him. And there are some of the most incredible conversations that take place during this sequence. Um, and it all leads into, to me, what is like one of the great final shots where like the themes of the film are just there in, in the last mm. image. Um, but it is I, a really... I can't wait to watch this now. <laughs> it's, it is, I will say this without hesitation. It is Joe Pesci's best performance. 100%. He is incredible in this. Film. Hold on. Hold on. Over home alone home would like a, home alone saying. would like a call. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is, it is, it is just really incredible. The direction is obviously fantastic. Mm. Um, really solid really like the score is sparse but it, it really just has one main theme that plays every now and then but it is the coolest main theme ever um so yeah it's 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 a great scorsese mob film and then it kind of transcends that in the last 40 minutes to me just as it it's not just it's not just this character reckoning with his own life you and Scorsese's even said this before. In a way, it's almost him, Scorsese, reckoning with his own legacy. Because, you know, these mob films get misinterpreted all the time and people want to be 
you know, like they, they want to be one of the good fellas. They want it like all the, the stuff becomes appealing to them. And, and it almost just feels like him reckoning with his own filmography and like the legacy he's left behind is just his story in film is just about all these violent men. And it's, it mm. feels like him thinking about the movies he's made as the main character thinks about the decisions he's made. And it's just, it's a, it's a great, great movie. Wow. Well, I mean, you're making me want to see it more. That's for sure. Oh man. Um, I'm, okay. I'm plugging my laptop real quick. My, I didn't realize that it's. <laughs> Don't let it die, James. <laughs> uh. Oh wait, this is the wrong chart. Sorry, I'm gonna be right back. It's just a okay. Here. Okay. Future Drew, this will not want you won't want this in the episode. good yeah all right all right here we go starting back all right so with my number two i am going to go with and i've actually wrestled with this all week my top two actually because of a movie that i just recently watched i mentioned earlier um is going head to head with a movie i've seen multiple times and i know i'm emotionally connected to it and uh it's so it's hard it's hard but ultimately i went with my number two is parasite parasite i just watched for the first time like this past week and uh i cannot believe i missed this like i, I all of these years it's just not i just haven't watched it <laughs> and um I didn't know what to expect I, going into it. I had no idea what to expect. It it just, it was kind of mysterious. Even the trailers, I was like, what is this movie? <laughs> um, and I watched it and like, first of all, like it's funnier than you think it's going to be. Um, but not in a jokey way, just like a natural humor way. And I, we've talked about this many times already on this, uh, on this young podcast. That's the best kind of humor when it's just like, natural organic people talking about like just talking to each other and it's just funny because the performances are great and the chemistry is great and it naturally leads to that these actors and i don't know unfortunately i don't know any of their names because they're they are korean actors um uh i just love this family um even though uh they are doing some like kind of really underhanded stuff just to try to get to try to get out of the hole that they're in this movie does a great job of making you understand why this family is doing what they're trying to do um but also like it, but and then also it also shows their like their flaws in that and it also shows 
the the rich family that they start to work for um as and they're not really just like villains either they're like it's like the guy has some things about him that are like not great but he's not just like an evil person uh for the most part it's like um it's the, the film does a great job of finding nuance with both of the families and at the end of the day uh at the at the end of the movie everything just like falls apart in every way you can imagine in like the best ways um for a movie but not for some of the characters um this movie did such a wonderful job of like first of all like the first half of it was the first maybe half or maybe two-thirds was a completely different movie than the last part than the last like i don't know half of it maybe there's a specific scene where it changes and you're like, Oh, because it was more of them. Just, it was really more just about this family, like sneaking around and becoming and like working for this, for this rich family and like trying to, trying to make it. And they were, they're starting to make money for themselves and all this stuff. And then there's this one scene where we find out something deeper is going on. And it's like, Oh my this movie just shifted. And from that point on, because I liked it to that point, but from that point on, I was like, Oh man, it just got spicy. And from that point on, this movie just didn't let up. And I was on the edge of my seat, dude, the last, the last literally 30 minutes, the birthday party, everything about it. Like it, it, it was just, it was anxiety inducing. Um, you really feel for this family. Uh, you really feel for them. But at the same time, they're like <laughs> they're doing some pretty bad stuff. Um, but what I, what one of my favorite things about it is like the commentary that they do is like, it's really, and I need to watch it again. Cause I only watched it once. I'm sure I missed some things, but uh, it was really apparent like in one scene where uh, to me that I did catch there's this scene where this where the rich family that they're working for, first of all, they're like they're trying to escape from the house and the rich camp family comes home from camping because it's pouring outside. They come home and they and this family, uh, the family that's working for them is stuck in their house and they don't want to they don't want them to know because they don't the rich family doesn't know that they're uh, that they're all related <laughs> to each other. And so they don't want to get caught. So they're like waiting out this storm. The rich family just watches this storm from the window. Their son is just camping outside in the tent um, in the storm or whatever. And this rich family is just watching the storm through the window. Like it's like this beautiful thing. But when they finally escape the, 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 the poor family, uh, they finally escape. They go back to their house and their house is like way down and it's flooded uh, their house is flooded because of where they live. It's just, uh, it's just in the like the poor, the poorest of the poor part of town, and their house is literally flooded. And it's just like this, this really cool, like really beautifully uh, shot visualization of how these two different classes of people look at the same thing, just completely different. Rain is just this beautiful 
uh, th- this beautiful thing that you can just watch from the inside of your cozy home and even camp in if you have the nice equipment and um, uh, and but to these people, but to this other family, it's like literally like their house is destroyed and and they're like just trying to they camped on top like they camped at a gymnasium or something um that night and it was just like wow this is really powerful stuff and you're and then the rest of the movie it's it's absolutely (laughs) it's bonkers at the end um i don't want to watch it again because i'm sure i missed some things but like absolutely phenomenal movie cannot believe i didn't watch it till now yeah this this is also my number two pick uh perfect yeah it's and honestly, to me, it, like I would pick it as like it's it's to me it's the movie of 2019. My number one is number one, in addition to like being amazing for personal reasons. But this is like to me, Parasite is the the 2019 film, the one to remember. Mm. Uh, and yeah, l- like you, I the first half I was like, this is good. I'm having a good time. This is fun. I'm laughing yeah. more than I thought. And yeah. I'm like, I've watched because I loved it so much. I've been watching like a lot more South Korean films since 2019. And it's just that South Korea films just, they'll be like weirdly funny and dramatic just with it. But, but not in a kind of contradictory way where like the tones are battling. It's just, I've no, never, no, seen... never feels like it's battling each other. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's so weird. it works. But like, like I just saw old boy in the re-release and like, that is a, dark grisly movie but it's also hilarious and kind of goofy at times like i i've never seen this replicated elsewhere but i've seen it again and again and again in south korean films it's wild but i love it uh but yeah so i was just like man this is i i kind of had that thought in the back of my mind though like is this like the greatest thing ever as as it was going on and then like you said something happens and like, I just, my jaw dropped and I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah. And it just becomes completely different. And there's yep. one moment where we get to me, one of the most haunting shots in a film with the eyes, the eyes coming up the stairs. Oh my uh, gosh, dude. Whew, I just got chills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, like you said, the this the rain sequence is like that's whenever there, there's a couple shots in that. There's one when they're they're fleeing down the stairs, and it's just this far away wide shot of them running down these stairs. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is gorgeous and sad. And then the yeah. top down shot of them just kind of floating down this river with whatever they could carry. That then I I, I have a very specific memory of my theater viewing. I remember that shot as they're just where the camera is looking directly down at this river and everybody going through it. I thought to myself, okay, now I get it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm getting why this film is talked about the way it is. And the last like 20 minutes of this thing, just it is, it's shocking, but it's yeah. incredible. And it's like, it left me and my friend, like we walked out speechless. We were like, I thought, what do you say? What do you, uh, wow. yeah. oh my gosh, it just left a stunt. Um, yeah. Incredible film. And I think it, it's like, it's really, it's a really intelligent film politically, but I also think it, it even just transcends 
like politics and just becomes a really insightful film about human nature. Yeah, just hundred percent. Like (laughs) to make a joke, it's like it's a movie where like the real parasites are the friends we made along the way. Where it's just like (laughs) we all have it in us. Yes. it's not that individual person, but like human beings <laughs> in a way, like when given the opportunity will become parasites and just like, just cling to whatever they have or and whatever yeah. they can get. And like, you just, it not, I don't, and I don't want to spoil it because I really do. If somebody is listening and they haven't seen it, I would love it if they're able to watch this without knowing. In um, fact, in fact, Drew, you might want to edit some of what I was saying because I think I was spoiling some stuff. Well, I feel I like I feel like we've we've never come right out and said anything. Okay, uh, yeah. Just so, be aware when you're. <laughs> yeah. But because I agree, just, I want I want if if there's anybody that hasn't seen this is listening to this podcast, I want you to listen. I want you to watch this movie. Yeah, but it's just like a, a, a revelation happens, and it makes you think like, oh yeah, like it's just. You put, you just put people in the right circumstances, and they will do whatever they can do for themselves. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's. Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's really, really thoughtful, um, and it, in a way that humanizes everybody. We're just like, man, we're all humans. <laughs> just like it does grabbing onto whatever we can grab onto, uh, but just yeah. a great agreed, film. man. So good. All right. Are you ready for the number ones? Let's hear them. All right. So for me, this is this is the movie that was battling it out with Parasite. I've seen this movie multiple times now. Every time I see it, I just it it endears itself to my soul even more. Um I love Jojo Rabbit. Mm. It is still my number one after really Really thinking about Parasite, Jojo Rabbit is still my number one. Taika Waititi, what he did with this movie, I don't – I really – we were just talking about balancing tones um, in Parasite. I, how in the world do you make a satire movie about <laughs> about a kid who has an imaginary best friend who is Hitler – um, and it is like taking place obviously during wo- world war, uh, two. And then at the same time, it is the most beautiful heartbreaking, heart wrenching and heartwarming film of the year for me. Um, but also freaking hysterical. Uh, I, I don't know how you find that balance, but, um, say what you will about what he did. After this movie, I'm not going to talk about it, but Jojo Rabbit is magical. <laughs> this movie and and the the entire cast of this movie, I am I need to pull it up because I'm I know I'm blanking on a couple of names right now. Um, hold on a second, Jojo. Sorry, 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 Jojo Rabbit. Okay, there we go. So, okay. So, first of all, Scarlett Johansson gives one of my favorite performances she's ever given as the mom. 
of of little Johannes. Um, absolutely beautiful performance. That scene, I'll, I'll always remember the scene where she where she puts soot on her face to make her look like she's wearing a beard, that she has a beard and she's trying to be the father figure or whatever and be stern to him. But like, it is a, such a memorable scene. It's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Freaking. Oh, I love Sam Rockwell. Oh my gosh, y'all. Sam Rockwell in this movie. I, I mean, in everything. I love him so much. He's so underappreciated, I think. But oh, preach, man. In this movie alone, he is just like, everything he says, it just makes me smile at, absolutely hysterical um even rebel wilson is funny in this movie and i don't think she's funny (laughs) i i really don't find her to be funny i like pitch perfect i don't like her in it (laughs) i don't i do not think rebel wilson is funny but in this movie quite funny she's she says some things to be a woman (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah kills me um Taika Waititi as Adolf Hitler himself. Hysterical. I mean, as weird as that sounds, it's hilarious. Um, I, and okay. Stephen Merchant as that Nazi officer. I forgot he was in this. Oh, man. And he's great. He's so great. That scene. And this is where the movie is just so brilliant because there are scenes in this movie. I just mentioned like the heartfelt stuff and we'll get to it. And how hilarious it is, too. And by the way, this scene I'm about to mention is also very funny on several levels. <laughs> Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. <laughs> just <laughs> go around the room multiple times. Um, it's funny in the movie. It don't don't take that out of context. Yeah. Um, that better not be a sound bite popping up anywhere. Do not. <laughs> I don't want to hear that just by itself. But the scene where Stephen Merchant comes into their house and um and uh what's her name elsa is hiding in the house but she's been out she's been out in the house and again i don't want to spoil too much but the scene in that in the scene where they're in the house searching through things um and basically elsa's pretending to be johannes's little sister or older sister that scene has the tension in that scene is masterful and again he balances it with humor like it's so i I don't know how he does it but and then you also see in that scene like the humanity in sam rockwell's character i it's it's phenomenal that that scene that scene is just it's one of the best scenes of the movie but the scene to me the scene that i think about when i think about i I can't even say too much about it but all i have to say and you know exactly what it is shoes (laughs) the shoe scene I I don't know like that I don't know if th- there's there's very few movies that have hit me quite that hard. Um they set it up perfectly throughout the movie. Like it makes you it always, harder to rewatch honestly. I know like every time you see it the the uh, a close up of her shoes like and they show them often in the movie. Every time I'm like oh god we're closer to it like every time it it, it the way that that comes back into play is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, this movie is beautiful. I, I, 
I have cried every time I watch this movie. It, it definitely brings tears to my eyes. I also want to say the little boy that his that is his friend, Yorkie, <laughs> is hysterical when he's like when uh when they see each other so i think it's near the end where they're like everything's starting to go haywire for the for the nazis and the the city is in chaos and uh the uh johan johannes says something like says yorkie and he says hi and and he just drops his like grenade launcher and it shoots into this building (laughs) I don't know why that just gets me every time. This is not a great time to be a Nazi. This is not a great time to be a Nazi. Yeah, it's just absolutely fantastic. But the dynamic between um between the little boy and Elsa is also just absolutely beautiful. Um I just I could talk all day about this movie. I've watched it multiple times and every time I just like it more. Um, Knives Out was my favorite movie of the year at one point, and this one just through rewatches has just been like, no, this has to be my favorite. I, th- it's the heart of it is just too great for me to 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 put behind anything, and that's ultimately what won over, what won out with Parasite between this and Parasite was as much as Parasite made me feel the heart in Jojo rabbit as many times as I've seen it, I'm invested so much. I just, this movie is just the best for me. So Jojo rabbit, number one of 2019. Yeah. This is my number four spot. And honestly, the thing that I was, the thing that I was worried about when it was picked is like, man, it's hard for me to like get through a discussion about this movie without tearing up like this. I know, man. I've Like I said, we were three grown men leaving the theater all like, <laughs> <laughs> and i i i've rewatched it when it came out like i immediately owned it i i tried to get siblings to go see it and they weren't able to see it so i'm like when this comes out i'm buying it and you're watching it so i showed it to my two younger sisters they immediately loved it and that like it was literally like us going on a tour of like showing it off to other friends and family so i watched this i've probably seen this just at home i don't know like eight times uh mm. like I, i've seen it so many times and it it never got old it never like like you said it only gets better um and yeah like it's it's an incredible tonal balancing act i don't know how it works but like you know we, we've got Chaplin's the great dictator and different three stooges skits to kind of prime us up for like you know what we can we can make comedies about the nazis in fact that's probably the best thing to do is like make it a joke <laughs> Make, right. or make them into you know just like make them the butt of jokes yeah. um but not at, like at the expense of thinking about how it happened and in, in its own weird parody way you understand how a 10 year old boy gets caught up in it the choice to open it up with a Beatles song over that footage is genius yeah that's perfect that's what it is these these young children who don't know what's happening and they just they they see these guys like rock stars and like it's an incredible choice um and yeah just like it's it's somehow like heartbreaking and hysterical i laugh i laugh out loud so many times there are so (laughs) like it's not just chuckles i'm like this has like 20 all-time funny moments to me (laughs) so funny um but yeah it's also just 
ridiculously heartbreaking. The shoe scene just gets me. Like it's you can't just not weep. And and like you said, the dynamic between between uh, Jojo Betzler and uh, <laughs> Ilsa is just like you watching them grow to like truly care about each other is incredible where he's like he's in tears like he starts off thinking she's this monster and like now he's in he's in tears thinking about the prospect of her leaving you know and mm. making up the story and it's like I, I, the fake I, letter I, from her boyfriend yeah um which is just oh my gosh you just love this little boy and you also like the scenes with Scarlett Johansson and also is just like when she's talking about, uh, you know, all these things that she wanted to do and just telling these stories to this poor girl, like, Oh my gosh, it's just, it's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then like another just incredible piece of praise for this film. It's just like, I cry for every reason there is to cry in it. It's not just sadness because this has one of my favorite film endings of all time because before this, there this beautiful mother that is Scarlett Johansson, this wonderful human being, is just talking about like what it means to dance during the mm-hmm. film and like dancing is like is you know it's it's how we thank God that we are like it's how we show God that we're thankful that we're free and like it is it becomes this expression of freedom you know, to dance openly and publicly is to be free. And so this is this thing that's set up the ending of this film. Maybe the thing, like it's actually the scene that may make me cry the hardest because like tears of like joy also mm. really get me. We're like, this is just so beautiful. When it starts off when, you know, they're, they're starting to dance the look of like nervousness on Ilsa's face when she's starting to move her shoulders, but she's like, she's just, scanning the rooftop scanning the windows looking around like she's nervous understandably nervous and scared to be doing this and watching the that dancing scene go on and on to where it gets to a point where she's not looking around anywhere she's just dancing because she knows she's free like as david bowie is playing in that scene and they're just like throwing off all inhibitions and just openly dancing because she can like I just start weeping every single time. Like this is the most beautiful ending ever. Like she can dance cause she's free and just watching the, her face just slowly go from like nervousness and hesitance into open. Like it's gosh, it's so freaking beautiful. I, I don't understand how this movie balances everything it does. But it's it's phenomenal. I love it, and you know, like I'll I'll forgive a love and thunder if it means I get to have this in my life because this movie is just so freaking awesome. You will forgive a love and thunder. That's right. <laughs> You're like okay, don't push. Yeah, pull away with that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I, honestly, like I hope next goal wins is great. We'll see. You I hope what? we get more stuff like this from Taika. That's the thing. I don't love him for franchises. I, 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 when he cares about a story he's crafted, it's, we get great stuff because hunt for the wilder people is also great. If you haven't seen that, go watch. Hunt for the Wilder. It's got Sam Neill being awesome. Um, that, that can only be great. 
Yeah, watch the trailer, and I promise you, once you watch it, you'll be like, okay, I gotta see this. It's so good. It's so funny. It, it's a similar thing. Like, it, it doesn't push either extremes of, like, humor and drama quite as far, but it's the same kind of thing of, like, this is incredibly sweet and heartfelt and sincere and is also so mm. freaking funny. It has some of the funniest lines ever in it. It's amazing. So, you know, the reviews for Next Goal Wins aren't great, but I freaking love all the trailers. I and do too. I'm going in wanting to love it because I, I am love too. original Taika. Original Taika is fantastic. And you know what? I need Michael Fassbender to have a great movie again. It's yeah. been a minute. Yeah. He's got it's a Fincher a movie this year. So, Ooh, that's, so maybe that, he's going to get one or the other, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> At least Dude, one. This is a one-two punch. What a, yeah. what a great thing that'll happen. All right. Uh, so What's your number one, man? My number one. And this is also one that, you know, I, I could have put it on underrated, um, but I just thought I'll use that as an opportunity to talk about this other thing. But I really also think this is underrated because you really don't see this in a lot of higher up spots either. But my number one is Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. Uh, he is a very divisive director because he's got maybe the most idiosyncratic specific style ever. And it is the definition of love him or hate him. I know people who curse his name because they hate his style and they don't think he makes real movies. And I know other people who think he has made the most transcendent masterpieces ever. Um, It's very different. Uh, because his style is basically just, he shoots, it's like a full length film, but he tells the stories often through voiceover. Like he, he'll, he'll create, he'll shoot whole scenes and sequences, but he'll edit it up as if it's like, it's almost a movie of a montage. And it's just the story of these images are being told through voiceover. And it, for me, creates an incredible experience. Uh, this particular movie is about, it's, it's a true story. Um, based off of a conscientious conscientious objector. He is an Austrian during World War II um, who is a devout Christian who is drafted into uh, the military. But in order to do that, you have to swear an oath to Hitler. And his religious convictions won't let him do that, even if he doesn't have to fight. It, It becomes not just about fighting. It's just his convictions... He, his convictions place a lot of importance on the idea of oaths, you know, and, and what it means to swear something and he can't. And so it is just about the consequences of him refusing to swear an oath of loyalty. And you see the toll it has on his family. Um, You see what this kind of nationalism has done to his village. You spend time with him in prison. You it's, it is like heart wrenching and Terrence Malick's style lends itself so well to the story because it's framed by letters sent back and forth between him and his wife while he's in prison. And so you hear the actor Re, like the voiceover is an actual real life letter 
sent from him to his wife. And you just hear this as you're seeing him live his life in this prison. And then you're hearing her read her letter as voiceover to like set to what her life is like there. And for me, like without joke, this it's, it's almost like a spiritual experience like this. It is just incredible, incredibly well done, incredible, incredible music, the most like stunning cinematography ever his style like love him or hate him his style is just just jaw-droppingly gorgeous uh he shoots nature like nobody ever has it's just you want you see these mountains and the clouds and the smoke and the trees and the grass and you're like this is this is just beautiful um but it's just it is such an incredibly sincere film it's such an incredibly dramatic and important film and it is also one that just like it leaves me in tears because it ends with one of the most like just personally meaningful like monologues in a film ever about like what what it what's how we make sense of suffering in this life and stuff it's so i just it is a complete masterpiece to me cinematically morally spiritually it is it is a beautiful beautiful film and a cool little story. Uh, Martin Scorsese uh, loves Terrence Malick and Malick is also a fan of Scorsese. And what's really interesting is Malick watched silence by Scorsese and wrote not an email, but wrote a personal letter to Scorsese that was basically summed up by the question, like what is it that Christ wants of us was the letter. And then Malick went and made a hidden life. And so you've got these two incredibly personal films by these two directors that are kind of like in dialogue with each other that I also love. So that's so cool. Yeah. It, it is a masterful piece of filmmaking to me, man. I have so many that are on your list that I haven't seen <laughs> that you're just making me want to watch them. Um, that's awesome. A hidden life. Number one. Um, Man, this was fun. We've gone a long time. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting to go this long, but man, this... I was not. I was not either. With just two of us, maybe we just like there were two of us, so maybe we felt like our guard down to like talk longer. But it yeah. it has officially gone past where we expected it to. Um, but dude, this was a lot of fun. What a great freaking year! And again, how many times do I have to say it? There's still like a ton of blind spots for me from this year. And it's still amazing. And um, we're, this is just one of those years you can – we can talk about, you know, the great years that are, you know, 19, I think it was 1993. There's a year that like Steven Spielberg himself just came out with Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. So that alone, <laughs> which is bonkers. Um, you know, there's the year, whatever year it is that Shawshank and uh, Forrest Gump came out the same year. Uh, there's a, 2007 there's, was huge. What'd you say? 2007 was pretty 2007. Free. Yeah. Huge year. And so there's just some big movie years. And, but to us, like this was the perfect one to start with. Um, and I mean, as y'all can tell, we're very passionate about a lot of these movies. So, um, thank y'all. If you've hung out with us for this whole time, we really appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter at banter underscore fodder. Um, and please join our Facebook group banter fodder, a film and TV discussion group. 
Um, it is an absolute blast. Again, James is posting a bunch of stuff. Uh, we got a couple people posting rankings in there all the time. Um, and then just random posts about movies and, and television. It's a great time. And it's an, it's actually a really not annoying group to be a part of. I know a lot of film groups on Facebook can get really annoying. So far, ours is really great. We're really loving it. So uh, make sure you join that. James, do you have any final thoughts before we head out? Oh, I just, it's like you said, every, every year there are great movies, but every now and then it's like things just converge to, to give you with like one year that's just a cut above yeah. the rest and is like just going to be, you know, like you said, it's four years old, but it didn't take us, it didn't take us four years to know that like 2019 was special. Right. Yeah. I knew it when I was in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, if you've stayed with us for the whole time and uh, make sure as Drew always says, support your local theater. They need it. And uh, until next time, see y'all later. <laughs>